Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. My name is Joe Armstrong, and thank you very much for listening to another episode of Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, the clowns will eat me. Just a few short months ago, musician and high school student Mason Summit had been accepted to college and was set to leave Los Angeles and study something far more sensible than music at a faraway school. But his passion for music got the best of him, and Summit switched tacks to songwriting. While the rest of his newly graduated classmates are packing up their laptops and lava lamps this late summer and heading off to college, Summit will stay closer to home, study songwriting, and focus on his burgeoning music career. One of those classmates is guitarist, singer, and songwriter Spencer Shapiro, who graduated a year before Summit and skipped town to the East Coast to study music at Boston's famed Berklee College of Music. Early in middle school, Shapiro and Summit struck up their friendship based on a shared affinity for crafty songwriting, and the pair formed a duo called The Clowns Will Eat Me to allow them both a creative outlet and a harmony voice. Both musicians are active in multiple projects, but the two friends have a certain simpatico that shows in their music when they work together. Lead vocals are shared, sometimes between lines of verses, and their harmonic structures are informed by a mutual love for art pop masters like Elliot Smith and John Bryan. Welcome to Independence Day, The Clowns Will Eat Me, clunkily named duo from Los Angeles, California, uh, comprised of two gentlemen. Please say hello, gentlemen. Hi, this is Mason Summit of The Clowns Will Eat Me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Spencer Shapiro. Also, also of the clowns will eat me exactly funny guy we're gonna it's all about joking here we've been talking about dan Byrne and bare naked ladies and they might be giants and like what funny music like because you guys have like the one fun one song you're gonna play today is kind of funny but you've been having this like band existential discussion as far as are you going to be funny or not funny there's the name yeah, the, the name the name and like some of the subject mass is a little right a little interesting so let's dive right in i mean that's it's the most lowbrow question in the world to ask why your band is named what it's named but this is kind of a meme i was i did a little research myself it's an alice yes. cooper song i know yeah but uh why why this name for you guys do you want to tell that story it's, it's a yeah, funny story it's a pretty funny so so we we met um we went to the same high school uh so we met i was in eighth grade he was mason was in seventh grade uh We've been kind of like playing music for a few years, but then I think we decided to like really get it together, start doing some shows. Yeah. So then one day we decided, okay, let's just do it. We booked a show at this crazy like unurban Coffee cafe, unurban, um, and we were like, okay, we have nothing to play. Might as well make a name and a song. So we were thinking of all these different names, um, and then I think. Well, well, I used to have in my bedroom stickers covering one wall, and okay, one of like the stickers. All of your walls. Well, yeah, one of the stickers was "Can't sleep, the clowns will eat me," and Spencer was just reading every single sticker. It was like wacky packages, those yeah, those kind right, of things, right, right. or or band stickers, and uh, we had just written this song, our first song as this incarnation. Uh, it's a murder ballad, and Spencer said, "The clowns will eat me." And uh, and then then it was history from it's there. Stuck. Yeah. yeah. Okay. His parents hate it. But it's different than it used to be. You know. I mean, it's you know, we, we, people have been making music for a long time, and in, in our modern age, and coming up with band names. You know, like the Beatles picked their name because they liked the Crickets. They liked Buddy Holly and the Crickets, so they yeah. wanted a name that was reminiscent of that. But now we're at a point where you know people have been making music for a very, excuse me, a very long time, and it's hard to find an original name. So we're starting, we're, we're in a world like we're in like the postmodern age of band names where people are picking like verbs or phrases rather than 
Like, a, like, and it was such a big deal to have like the like even Pink Floyd started off as the Pink Floyd. Yeah. At one point, I like you know? it has yeah. a classic kind of feel to it. Yeah. The, the and then like, something plural. Yeah. You know, you're kind of like uh, you know presenting yourself like these are the yeah bloody blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I mean, I, that's kind of what was my guess was, but. Uh, so in any case, I'm talking with Spencer Mason, uh, Los Angeles-based duo, The Clowns Will Eat Me. Um, you guys are kind of ahead of the game. You know, you're doing duo harmony stuff, two guitar stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of people, it seems like they don't figure that stuff out till college. You know, and you guys were doing it even in high school. Um, so the first question I'm going to ask is, Mason, this is your second appearance. Congratulations. Thanks. You're a sophomore wow. now. Um, and... The first question I have for you, and this is kind of for both of you, but more for Mason, because I know you a little bit. Um, what denotes, because you have your own like solo career, right? What denotes what, what songs you would play in this duo or in this group as opposed to something you would do on your own? Is it just specifically having him around? And if so, why not just have that be the only thing? Well, something that's really important to me is that our songs are our songs. Okay. Yeah. So... Usually, if I have a song that I already have like a verse or a chorus of, that's already going to be my song because I don't ever want to be like the dominant force on a song or else it won't really feel like us. Mm -hmm. We usually start writing our songs from the ground up. And what I find is um, all of our songs sound really different from anything that I've written on my own. Okay. When we started writing together, I was more of a writer. I think yeah, Spencer just, was. Yeah. So we kind of did do some stuff a few years before we got together where it was kind of like a song that he would help me finish off. Right. Um, but then these songs that we started writing together, they're just different songs okay. than a Mason Summit song. Yeah, like definitely. Like I think, um, you know, I think when people usually collaborate, it's kind of more like, you know, someone comes in with, most of a song and then someone kind of right. finishes off like we were doing a few years ago but you know i i i definitely enjoy uh working you know with mason like directly and just kind of we kind of come up with a core progression and then just kind of go from there yeah even like um, we've had songs where like i play a chord and then spencer plays the next chord and then we both come to the next chord yeah okay. just we we don't have like a you write the music i write the lyrics or, or like vice versa or you write like the that. verse i write the chorus it's yeah. yeah i mean like sometimes it is like that but just for the most part Usually everything is yeah the duo dynamic is different for every duo i guess is what i'm getting at like mm -hmm. and you like you've got a simon and garfunkel style duo where garfunkel doesn't play an instrument at least not on stage right he might tinker with something who knows if he's writing songs i have no idea yeah. honestly <laughs> but Simon is the guitar player and, and the singer. Or Jonathan Brooks started off that way with her band, The Story. She was the guitar player, and um, Jennifer, what's her name? I forget. Um, mm -hmm. Was She would sing vocals. And again, maybe in the studio she'd tinker with stuff, but that was kind of the way the duo was. Mm -hmm. You guys are the, the, the two guitar, like more Indigo Girls style. <laughs> we like yeah. to think of ourselves as Indigo Girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, but well, they both play guitar, I guess, and, and well, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Right. Yeah, well, I think... Um, it's kind of, it started that way for us, I think, originally, where I was more focused on singing, and I kind of played guitar to accompany myself. You were basically only playing guitar and yeah, getting like, into singing, but now yeah. Spencer has improved as a singer, and I've improved as a guitar player to the point where our duties are pretty shared yeah. equally. Yeah. Like, now, now we're kind of switching up solos, we're kind of switching up lead vocals and stuff, which yeah. is, that, yeah, I think it's, it's good. 
And it's something that's indicative. It's become like the clowns will eat me sound, honestly, which is that unique thing, which I, we're going to hear in just a minute. I want to play some stuff, and you're going to play some live songs for us as well, yeah. is the unique thing, and I love it when bands do this, so kudos to you guys, is when in one song you're switching off lead vocals, which takes us to the Beatles, which I guess are not a duo, but as a songwriting group, they're a duo mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lennon, McCartney, you know, and people have written thesis-level material as to who... You know, they're all labeled as Lennon McCartney, but it's kind of obvious whose songs are whom. But you don't really know what their working environment is. Only those two knew mm-hmm. yeah. when they would sit down. And, you know, who knows how much of Strawberry Fields Lennon brought in before McCartney said, oh, wait, do this. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so and you guys have an arrangement that's similar to that. So I love hearing it when bands do that because it's it takes, I feel, a selflessness about your art to give up a little bit, you know. So here's a, a, an inside baseball question. Like when you're doing a song where you're switching off lead vocals, which we'll hear in a little bit, is are those lines written by the person who's singing them? Or is one person kind of writing the lyrics or you kind of tag team it a little bit? But like that's a thing because in different musicians, like in bands, like Cowboy Junkies, for example, Margo Timmons doesn't write any of the lyrics. Her brother Michael does. So he's writing from a female perspective as a male, and she's singing all the lyrics. So some people are interpreters, even if it's the guy next to you. So what? how does it yeah. work in your band? Well, I think our songs usually, our lyrics, we strive to have a singular perspective. So it's never like, this is what Mason is saying, and then this is how Spencer feels. Right. So I don't think it matters as much. Because, um, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's as intentional as that. Right. Where like yeah. this is a line I wrote, so I'm gonna take ownership of it. Yeah. Well, I don't mean so much in terms of like you no know, territory. This is mine. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. mean you know, if you write a song, how do you decide who's gonna sing the other lyric? Is it just split up in half of the verse, or do you try it different ways? I guess that's the thing. This is such a unique thing in songwriting to have a band where within the same song you're switching the lead person. You know, so it's unique, and this is a songwriting thing less so than like a pissing contest. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think it's basically just yeah, like we split evenly. We even do that with like covers and stuff. We'll just okay. be okay, like you take like verses one, three, and five, or whatever, and like we'll do you know, okay. we'll split it up like that. But um, we also in the harmonies sometimes I will have the higher harmony, and Spencer will be taking the lead, or vice versa. Yeah, there's really no. Okay. Method. Well, let's, let's, yeah. let's take a quick break. I want to play a song. We'll come back. I want to talk a little bit more about the mechanics of how you guys do go about doing what you do in terms of putting these things together. Um, but first, I want to play a song for everybody so they know what they sound like. So you, you as a band, you've got an output. A lot of stuff's on SoundCloud. You know, it's, we live in a world of like we're physical less product. There's not a lot of you know people. You were saying before as we were setting up. You know, you, Mason, what was the last album you bought? Physical album? Uh, probably 21st Century Breakdown by Green Day on okay. the day it came out, May 15th, 2009. And he remembers the date, of historic course. Historic event. Historic yeah. event. Uh, so about you, Spencer, because it's a generational thing too. Uh, last, well, um, I guess like a C- the last time I bought a CD or was... vinyl. Vinyl counts. Too. I vinyl, buy things at shows. Yeah, like vinyl. Like vinyl. Last vinyl I bought was like two weeks ago. Okay, but. Um, yeah, and like CDs, uh, I think the last CD I bought was maybe around the same time, like oh, wow. three, like five, six years ago. Yeah, well, it's six years ago, it's 2009. So Vinyl's yeah. different, though. Vinyl's yeah. different. It's a keepsake. Just, okay. It's a keepsake, plus, like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's just fun to have okay. just a vinyl. So, but people can figure, they can get your stuff online, it's the pl- best place to get it. You yeah, know, and you, you can yeah. download it all for free. Actually. Yeah, download it all yeah. for free. Well, that's the new Brave New World. Yeah, Wilco's yeah. record just downloaded for free not too yeah. terribly long ago. Uh, and they can find us a very clunky address, so forgive me, but it's soundcloud.com slash the-clowns-will-10. 
eat-me. So if you take their band name, The Clowns Will Eat Me, and drop a dash between all of them, that's where they find it on SoundCloud. So also on Facebook, Clowns Will Eat Me Music. They're not on Twitter or Instagram as of yet, but you never know. You never yeah, know. All right, let's hear this. So this is a track you can download. It's called The Last Suitcase from an EP, kind of a EP collection of songs, which is mostly virtual, but this is The Clowns Will Eat Me, The Last Suitcase on Independence Day. I can pinpoint the very moment She left in such a hurry Got a head start Latching up the last suitcase I could have sworn she would have tried a little more Or maybe I spent too much time trying to ignore She burned me down and now I'm trying to restore My best friend Who's now her boyfriend I guess that means No more guys nights out I try out her side End up on my side Try sleeping in an empty house I could have sworn She would have tried a little more Maybe I spent too much time trying to ignore She burned me down and now I'm trying to restore My heart's a dream Time pacing the floor She burned me down And now I'm striving to restore My name is Joe Armstrong Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day I'm really, really proud to bring you all these artists They're all good in their own way The Clowns Will Eat Me are no exception You guys are great Thanks Loosely Westside and Los Angeles-based duo They both sing, they both play guitar I want to say Indigo Girls-esque, but it doesn't sound sonically like Indigo Girls, which is not a bad thing or a good thing. It is what it is. But in terms of like the lineup of the band, you both sing, you both sing lead vocals, you both do harmony vocals, and you both play guitar, trade-off solos even. So it's kind of like two, uh, two powers come together to make one awesome duo, is what I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, boys. Work with me. Wake up. Chop, chop. Okay. Sorry. Uh, it's not that early in the morning. Come on. Uh, so, so tell me this. We were talking right before the break about buying music. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. some of it's a generational thing. Um, so, you guys buy vinyl at shows. So, what rates purchasing vinyl then? I mean, obviously, you like it, but why not just download it if you like it? 
Well, oh, that's that's a good that's question. A good question. I think yeah. um, CDs or even just digital music has changed um, kind of the relationship with cover art for right. sure because I think it's great to have a larger medium in which to convey the art. It's a totally different right, feeling. Right, right. Um, and a lot of people agree that vinyl sounds better, but I don't have um, like a hi-fi set. I have a little turntable. Yeah, like so a I can't, kind of thing. I yeah, can't really, like exactly. I can't. speaker or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so I, I agree with that, but that's not why I do it, because I don't have the means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do mainly listen to music digitally, yeah. I admit. Yeah, and I think yeah, with me, like mainly most of the time it's just like on iTunes or whatever, but I think sometimes when I'm feeling particularly retro that day you know you'll bust out the turntable yeah. and just kind of have a little playlist like uh yeah like moby he, on his instagram he kind of has like you know today's playlists and it's just like all the vinyl that he's playing today oh, that's cool we cool. used to do yeah. a lot of record listening together actually yeah. on our slumber parties remember, yeah back in the day i think we tried to listen to every elliot smith album we did we, we did succeeded how I many are there on vinyl? Uh, all of them you? now. All of them, so Until okay. recently, how the many first is that? one. Oh, like, probably like, like seven. seven. Yeah. Seven, okay. Like that, yeah. All right. So that's a good. Uh, that's a good five-hour endeavor, probably. Like that, we yeah. pulled it off. Yeah. yeah. We did it. We did it. Pretty cool. So, so it's basically so you're doing it because maybe you want to support the artist, perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if you buy it at a show, obviously that's a way to do it. And vinyl packages are different than they used to be. Like they, they'll give you more now. It feels like. Yeah, well, like, if they give you a download card, it's no question. Yeah, yeah that's like, just a better deal. I just bought a um, like Tom York side project, uh, Atoms for Peace. I just bought their their uh, debut album, a mock, I think it's called. Yeah, but yeah. They, anyway, inside there they had an actual physical CD uh-huh. with the vinyl, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, that's even better in some ways for me. I like because it's easy for me just to pop the disc in. I, I still have. I'm a recording engineer, so I've got drives around. I can pop it in, yeah. and it'll rip it, and it's fine. I don't have to monkey around with entering in codes. I bought the new Jason Isbell record when it came out recently, and it came with a download code. And I, it was kind of a rigmarole. Like In some ways, it would have been easier if it was a CD. I could have just put it in, boom, boom, boom. It rips it right. off. It goes to my iPod and my iPhone, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But like the download card, like I had some issues. I had to go to this different website, and then the code didn't work right away, and I had to monkey around with this thing. It's like, Jesus, man, don't make it hard on me. Give me a disc. Yeah. It's so cheap to make just, a disc nowadays. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's my little rant. I'll, I'll get <laughs> off my soapbox. Uh, so let's talk about a little bit, like um, you guys are both musicians. Let's talk about the genesis. Let's keep this real short because I want to get to some more music as soon as we can. Can I like, take this one? Yeah. So how, yeah, you, you know, again, you're both musicians. You're playing around in high school, right? And then what is it about the other guy that goes, hey, I should work with him? Oh, no. Um, well, you know, <laughs> we met on the first, the new student day of middle school um, in 2009. I was... 12, I guess, and uh, Spencer was 13, 8th grade and 7th grade, uh, and um, Spencer was standing alone, in, in a, he used to wear all black, and I was probably wearing Crocs, well, and I had, we, we were yeah. both alone, honestly. Yeah, and the guy just moved, so I like didn't know anyone. Um, yeah, new kid in town. New kid in town. I think actually on that first day, I didn't wear all black, I'm pretty sure I wore like a light, like a lime green polo shirt <laughs> okay. with some stupid arrow like necklace thing well the music yeah the music has been has been the bond but we also but how did you figure out though how did you figure out that he liked good music so sir you see this kid standing there he's a wallflower and mason you did the manly the good human thing you walk (laughs) over and say hey man welcome to santa monica etc how did you find out about that he was a good musician 
Well, I mean, I'm not or sure even if, that he liked. Good I'm music. not sure if either of us were good musicians per se at that yeah. time, but <laughs> just the fact that we played music together, and um, we probably didn't even have a lot of mutual tastes in music at that point. I hadn't. I, I don't listen to a lot of the music now that I listened to in seventh grade, but I don't think anyone does. Maybe yeah, no, don't good. worry about that um, so much. Man. But but we often share music with each other and go through phases at the same time. I yeah. think, and um, that informs our writing, which is why we're yeah. pretty good at collaborating with each other. Is we have a similar aesthetic. Yeah, I think I think like in recent years, I think we've been kind of getting on the mo- like similar musical tastes. Just yeah, because like, uh, like back when, back when you know I was in like eighth grade or whatever, I think I listened to a lot of hard rock, metally stuff, okay. and like, uh, like I was a big Pink Floyd buff. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and like, uh, so very different things. I was into Green Day and the Ramones. Okay, yeah. So I think, which is funny because punk and Pink Floyd are, have always been in opposition. You know, Bob Geldof, mm-hmm. who played Pink in The Wall, the movie, mm-hmm. was quoted as saying that Pink Floyd are crap, his words exactly. Yeah. He didn't, you know, he didn't like it, but they paid him to be Pink in their movie. Sure. But I loved Pink Floyd growing up. I still do, actually. Yeah, me too. I think, for me, I think, um, you know, when I listen to old Pink Floyd records, I think I've been kind of getting more into the, like, Sid Barrett era yeah. more so than kind of later years, just because I think it sounds a little too proggy. I like his solo album. Sid's? Madcap laughs. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. But um, yeah, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, so what was sorry. was it was it Mason then that got you into guys like Elliot Smith and like singer songwriter type music? If you're playing harder rock, because that was every band I've ever played, and that's the situation. I was usually the singer, and I played guitar, and I was good enough. But I always wanted mm-hmm. a lead guitar player because the idea is always play with people better than mm-hmm. you is my role, right? Yeah, definitely. So I always wanted a lead guitar player, but every every bass player and drummer were always into Rush, so I had to somehow cure them of their Rush addiction <laughs> somehow. And every guitar player was always into. Like well, kiss and metal and stuff, and it's like I was yeah. here. I'm, I'm teaching on double spot, double stop mm-hmm. bends and country licks. It's like, come on, man, come on, yeah. work, work with me. <laughs> I think Spencer was definitely the more advanced, probably still is the more advanced guitar player. So, in that respect, I uh, I'd, I'd say I looked up to him. Yeah, to oh, you, sweet. okay, as a guitar player. Yeah, no other ways though. So okay, so Spencer, from your perspective, like what he's a year younger than you, which when you're younger is a big deal. Like a year can make a big difference. What about this whippersnapper made you want to play? If you're like the advanced (laughs) Juilliard musician, what what made you want to play with Mason? Um, I think playing with I think initially like first starting to play with Mason, I think it was just because he was the only person I really knew at the school that played music. (laughs) Process of elimination. Yeah, process of elimination. No, but apart from that, So it's play with Mason or play with no one. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. No, but... um, I know, I kid. I I kid. (laughs) No, but I think, you know, I kind of like... I was trying to get into different types of music, I think, and I think there's something about... And getting into performing. Yeah, and getting into performing, like... um, we somehow managed to wrap together a really, 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 really poor cover of a Green Day song. 21 Guns. And the first time we hung out, we um, we worked up a cover of Jumper by Third Eye Blind. Okay. Which actually yeah. is still on YouTube, but no, I'm not going to let anyone see yeah, it. Yeah, we're not going to f- let you know where We to used to that. busk, too, in seventh grade, when okay. I was we in seventh grade. We used to go to the promenade and get kicked off yeah. doing yeah. cover songs. I've been kicked off yeah. busking. It's harder than it used to be, man. There was a yeah. point where you could permits. just go do it, but now everybody wants a permit. It's like, right. Jesus, yeah. why am I going to get a permit to do this? Exactly. But it's dumb. We wrote our first song together, though, that that year, five years ago. Yeah, it was uh, a tender love song. We still play okay. it sometimes. All right, let's do this. Let's play a live song. 
I want to get in and give people a taste of what you guys actually sound like live. Uh, and it's really good. People are going to dig this. And then when we come back, I want to talk about what you were just talking about just a second ago, like how you got to, to writing, like from, from zero to like step one. So what's this first song you guys are going to play? Uh, sure. So this, this first one is called uh, Something New. Um, it was really fun when we first wrote it because we could be like, oh, this is our new song, something new. That novelty is worn off now. Old. Now it's old. But anyway, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. All right. So <laughs> funny guys. Everybody's funny today. Everybody's a comedian. All right. So the Clowns Will Eat Me, Los Angeles-based duo, West Side of LA, two young guys. Good stuff, man. You're going to like this on Independence Day. Does this thing where she exists a beautiful ventriloquist? Strive to be good enough, but knowing her, that'll be tough. Sitting in detention, I hold her attention. That is my intention. She does this thing before she cries. I see the flares fly. In her eyes I suffer from A kind of blue It's my reaction To something new Sitting in detention I hold her attention That is my intention I can't complain, I can't complain will eat me on Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. Their names are Mason Summit, Spencer Shapiro. They're a Los Angeles-based duo. Good stuff, guys. Thanks. Thank you very Excellent much. work. I really like um, the trading off of the vocals. We were touching on that before, and that's a good example of that, where you guys are mm -hmm. taking turns singing lead like within a verse, like splitting halfway through. Yeah. Very, very cool. So it reminds me, it's almost like, the, the, it reminded me of the Jayhawks a little bit. That's something that they do. Uh, Mark Olson and Gary Lewis. Your voices sound very similar. So when you trade off, it's almost 
in some ways not noticeable. Like if you weren't listening really hard, you didn't know you were switching off, you wouldn't really notice. Like whereas the Jayhawks, Gary mm-hmm. Lewis and Mark Olson's voices are very different. But yet when they sing together, it's they call it that one voice thing. Right. Where mm-hmm. it's very unique. The Leuven brothers were like that too, and they were I know the Jayhawks were influenced by like the Everleys and the Leuvens where sure. uh, and anyway, so uh, good stuff. Kudos to you guys. Thank you very good much. song, good vocals. Um, so before we were talking about like how you got from you know playing together mm-hmm. to writing together. It seems like Mason, you started off writing, it seems like almost right away. At least it seems that way to me. Yeah, I started writing in uh, in sixth grade. Um, I think I wrote my first song like in my head, maybe while I was skiing or something. Um, so I was I was writing a lot of songs. I had a song called Suicide in seventh grade. It was, uh, I was, yeah, I was trying. <laughs> um, and uh, we wrote our first song. We used to have sleepovers a lot. That was a big thing where we'd watch yeah. a movie, jam a little bit, talk about girls, or actually, girl. We like the same girl Uh-oh. in seventh grade. Yeah. Uh, and she's now Spencer's girlfriend, oh, actually. Oh, good for you. Yeah, thank you. Um, You're yes. dating the girl that you liked in seventh grade? I, I am. That's Spencer, little... that's the weirdest thing I've he ever won. I know. It's, well, it was uh, a long, it's a long, long road. Long road, long story. I mean, like, I didn't like it. Oh, my God. Okay. Not consistently. Not consistently. He hasn't pined for her. It's not okay. like it's been like six years of been like trying and failing. It's just like. It's okay if you were, man. It's, no, he was just, I can't even okay. imagine. Like, the girls from seventh grade. I'm sure they're wonderful people. I mean, I, I don't. I wouldn't even begin to know where they are. Well, they've both evolved a lot, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, you were kids. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly. still kids. So at that time, neither of us had a chance. Actually, okay. um, I remember very vividly our first writing session. Okay. Um, yeah. Tell me about it. Well, we were watching. Um, we watched old movies a lot. We were. We had just watched. What's old? Um, What's old? Like, I'm like 60s, 50s, okay. 40s. If you were going to say some 90s, no, thing, no, no, I was yeah. like, no, like no. you know, early 2000s kind of stuff. No, okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Vintage. Yeah. Um, we watched The House on Haunted Hill with okay. Vincent Price, oh, yeah. and um, that put us in a very uh, ambient kind of romantic mood. Yeah. And so um, we wrote a love song, and this probably informed our unified voices that we were singing about the same girl. Okay. Uh, song That's a called good Genesis Dream story. in Black and White. That makes sense. Yeah. And we still play it sometimes because we don't have a lot of songs. So yeah. was that weird for you dating her with knowing that, Sp- that uh, Mason was kind of pining for the... Like now, I guess it's probably no big deal. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not that weird now. Um, it's, a little, it's a little weird when we play it and she's like sitting in the front yeah. row. Because I'm the so- lead vocalist on that too. Right. Yeah, so like it's a little awkward. Um, I would mess with her. Like if I were you and Mason, I would like stare at her intently. Yeah, I, I think I've dabbled just to kind of that. weird her out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She definitely gets uncomfortable. But um, yeah, it's a throwback. It is a throwback. Yeah. Okay. So then, the first writing session, like that, was that song worth a crap, or was it? Did it wind up being? Because you know, that's the thing. People writing is a hard thing. You know, so I guess some people are born with it, but it's kind of a learned skill too. You got to like know and like make your mistakes and like figure out what works well, and what doesn't and what works with your voice, etc. We actually mm-hmm. put that song on our EP. Yeah, we we like kind of try to rework it and kind of revamp it a little bit so we kind of made it a little less you know to uh, some worlds kind of yeah. playing it and kind of more like oh this is a little more musical than it used to be well there's but, no reason yeah. you can't smash you know uh i remember thinking uh, you can smash it apart and reassemble it it's your song yeah exactly. You know, especially because the both of you are still performing it you know you can tweak that word if you're yeah. singing about something that you didn't like then you can tweak it now it's more of a rearrangement, I think. We've we've yeah. kept the structure of the song intact. Like same, same chord, same, it feels, same like, progression. It feels sacred. 
Okay. <laughs> um, but we had room on the tape for one more song, so that was what we thought to do. Yeah. That's how it ended up on the EP. Okay. So then how long was it before the second song? A long time. Very long time. Yeah, like years? A couple, a couple years, maybe. Was it a couple years? We attempted again to write something in 10th grade. We wrote like we co-wrote like three songs, and they were all songs that I had started yeah. that we were kind of finishing together, and that didn't... We still play those sometimes, but they didn't feel the same. They weren't really the tr- what we do now. Right. Yeah. And then, I mean, in the last year, we were kind of feeling the pressure of like, well, you know, Spencer was a senior... Like, when are we actually going to get serious about this? We've been playing music yeah, together yeah, yeah. informally for so long. And yeah, then... When is this actually going to be a, be a thing to actually right. do? Right, okay. So at one point, there was a conscious decision to kind of make something a, th- a thing. Like, yeah. Rather than just kind of tinkering around. We had around to get a little more he's, I know he's playing his own stuff. Are you, Spencer, at this time, like all through this time, are you playing in other bands, doing other shows, doing solo stuff? Like, what are you doing? Well, you know, I, I kind of know Mason's history from having had him on the show. Yeah. What were you up to during I'm that intern period? sitting around waiting for Mason to call. No, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I, like, I've been, I've been trying to, um, like, my solo songwriting process is, is very, uh, not, not really kind of cohesive. It's just, it's very, it's very me coming up with an idea and then, instantly hating it and like shoving it it's maybe the english thing but i don't know yeah um but like yeah i think i think in my personal uh kind of creative uh process it's very 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 different to anything we do together it's kind of more more like i try i try and like write more like electrical kind of stuff like not unless you're like trap electronic beats or whatever, but like right, right, right. Um, well, electric guitar. When, when yeah, you're writing, you're like writing with of, electric guitar. Kind of more like bands, more like effects based kind of stuff. So, okay. do you have another band other than this? I know Mason does solo shows. Yeah, uh, I do. I do at uh, at school at college. I uh, uh, found a group of guys I like to play with, and we're kind of like slowly working through a collection of songs to kind of start playing and stuff. So okay. maybe in like the next year or so, you'll see an ep pop up where somewhere. are you going to school uh i go to the berkeley college of music ah in i went to berkeley oh you did for a little bit i didn't stay okay. like almost nobody i mean almost nobody stays there no i don't know really if you've stays. learned that yet but <laughs> i was there for a while to so you the 150 mass ave building uh i w- i stayed there because I did, I did the five-week program a couple times so okay. i stayed there during the five week but i am in the 270 building now okay on commonwealth okay Interesting. Yeah. Well, wow, I want to talk about Berkeley when we come back. I want you to play another song. We'll talk about Berkeley. I got yeah, all kinds sure. of crazy stories. So uh, this is The Clowns Will Eat Me. What's this next song, guys? It's called Under Duress. Okay, tell me a little bit about it. Well, this is um, our second most recent song. Our writing's become a little more sporadic now that uh, Spencer's been away. Yeah. Uh, but this is, we wrote this right before our, our hiatus show okay. last August. I okay. would say. And Before he uh, went off to the East Coast. Right. Yeah. Last hurrah of sorts. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is The Clowns Will Eat Me on Independence Day under duress. One, two, three. I'm in distress Cause I know what's in store You're out to impress Cause you know I want more 
I cannot pretend I didn't intend any of this the tears or the kiss the tears and the bliss I'm in distress Cause I know what's in store You're out to impress Cause you know I want more A slippery slope Of yeses and noes God only knows if this is hopeless self-fulfilled prophet who had it and lost all of this the tears and the kiss the tears and the bliss under duress I leapt for the door But I'd be hard-pressed To tell you what for My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. I come to you just about every other week, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time or Pacific Standard Time, as the case may be. You can download all these episodes at indepday.com slash iTunes or just indepday, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y. Also, follow us on Twitter at indepday. A lot of really great music here, and I work really hard to bring you guys great music and find great artists, and we talk a lot about stuff, making music, the great parts about making music, and the hard stuff about making music, too. It isn't all uh, wine and roses, so... This week's guest is The Clowns Will Eat Me. There are a couple of young guys based in Santa Monica, California. Although I just learned that half of this group goes to uh, Berkeley College of Music, which is one of my alma maters. I guess I didn't graduate, but almost nobody graduates from Berkeley. Not really. Right? Steve really? Vai went to uh, Berkeley. Yeah, Gillian like, Welch and David Rawlings went to Berkeley. Yeah, like half of Aerosmith. Half uh, of Aerosmith. Uh, half of Living Color half went to Aer- Color. Aerosmith. Uh, uh, loads uh, of the Marcellus brothers went to, some of them went to... Uh, at least the Sweet. youngest one. I was there. Delfeo, the trombone player, was actually there. Oh, wow. Uh, Melissa okay. Farrick went to Berkeley College of Music. She Amy Mann. 
winter yeah, man went there. uh well of course like quincy jones went there and then like yeah. john mayer went there uh the imagine dragons yeah went there if you're into that uh like saint vincent or annie clark went oh that's there. right she did go there didn't she, she did go there um and just like loads and loads of people like film scorers like edit engineers yeah. like lo- tons of people and it started out as a jazz school it's right. it is still it started out as an arranging school I think okay so it was kind of more because I think I think it was founded in like 1945 I want to say I'm probably wrong but I'm gonna just say that um, and I guess like the music at the time was like big band orchestras and stuff yeah, so yeah, I guess yeah. like they you know needed a school to arrange all these instruments and stuff so I guess it started out as that and then as time went on it kind of transitioned into more contemporary kind of music yeah stuff. they have they do all different styles now Loads you know and styles. it was man when i was there god i don't even want to tell you how long ago it was but <laughs> but at the time like the really big music this was before nirvana came in and killed all the hair bands so yeah. at the time when i was at berkeley it was warring factions every day no 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 business i was gonna say no i was about to say a bad word uh, no BS at the the um, tables in the cafeteria every day. It was like warring factions of jazz heads and metal heads, and like I felt like I was kind of stuck in the middle between these two guys because I wasn't either. Like I could kind of mm-hmm. play a little jazz. I'd played in jazz band all through high school, sure. um, sang in jazz choirs, etc. You know, I could do two five ones and play a little bit, <laughs> yeah. um, but I wasn't really a metal head. You know, I had learned a couple token like White Snake and Def Leppard songs, <laughs> yeah. which is barely metal. You know, it's like yeah, it's Metallica. Like, it wasn't Metallica or any of that like, really sure, harder core like, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I was stuck in the middle. I always felt like a I, I felt like a Joe Walsh guitar player mm-hmm. who was a capable guitar player who was really into arranging parts and playing well and coming up with the complementary guitar parts to kind of serve the song, right? Yeah. So yeah. I felt like, that's why I left. I felt like I didn't fit in. You know, I, mean, I could have stayed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure could have found my way. But yeah. uh, so what? What's your experience? I mean, give me just like a nutshell. Like, are you enjoying it? Are you digging it? Is it worth going all the way across the, the country to do this? <laughs> no comment. Uh, yeah, no comment. No, uh, I'll comment. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely there's still kind of a war, warring faction kind of type deal. There's still loads of, like, every kind of genre is just clashing with every other type of genre there. Uh, so there's still loads of jazz heads kind of clashing with, like, the harder rock kids and stuff, yeah. kind of, sort of. But, like, now, now like, the kind of more, like, I guess, neo-soul type deals, like Robert Glasper oh, yeah, and, yeah. Like, like, Eric Abadie and kind of guys like that, like Snarky Puppy and yeah. stuff. Um you hear a lot of that, which gets a little old. Do they still honest. do concerts in the cafeteria on Saturday yeah, nights? Yeah, they, well, they, I mean, recently they just built this huge new uh, building, so they have like a massive double-decker like cafeteria. Oh wow! They have like a proper stage and like proper lighting and stuff. Yeah, we so they, were in the basement when I was there. Yeah, like the one, the shitty one fifty. Excuse me, the bad one fifty cafe uh, cafeteria. Um. Yeah, that basement is a bad basement. It's not a good, no, no. good place it's to terrible. play shows. But it was convenient because it's we in, could... It's in the building. It's yeah, the building exactly. we lived in. So, and it's cold yeah. in Boston, in case anyone's not aware. Usually when you're in school there, it's that time of year. It's pretty cold and crappy. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty You know, cold. we could... I don't even remember if we were allowed to have beer back then. I mean, we were underage, but we would have beer anyway. But we would like have a couple <laughs> beers up in our room and then go down in the same building. We'd have to walk anywhere. We'd have to worry about getting accosted by the authorities or causing trouble <laughs> yeah. anywhere else. And we would just go watch guys you know, amazing world-class musicians play. And so mm-hmm. the first time I saw a guy, remember the whole shtick from the, maybe you don't, there were guys who would play with a drill. They would put guitar picks on a drill on their, I, on their right hand and they would play like that I with like a drill. That was a thing. That's 
cra- what? That was a thing. So I mean, that was there was a kid at Berkeley who actually did that, and it was like the most audacious, pretentious thing in the world. But I, yeah. I'll be damned. He pulled it off. He could do it. That's pretty funny. And just though. because you can doesn't mean you should. Exactly. But I mean, that's kind of a funny party trick, though. Just it be is like, a party with a drill. Just but people remember it. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. half of music is being remembered. So okay, anyway, so they've got this new facility. So, but now it seems is it more formal or is it still kind of an informal thing when you go do that? Because they had a performance space that was like a big auditorium. Yeah, the, the BPC. That's yeah. still there. Um, actually, the Milk Carton kids are playing there. In, October. anyway uh anecdote but um yeah like it's i guess i don't really go to them that much just because yeah. like most of the time they're like you know at an hour where like you're not really in the mood to kind of go yeah. see a show. i mean like i guess you could get in the mood pretty quickly but like a couple times there was like the bob marley ensemble right there which was pretty cool yeah. to go see they, they they have actually some really good players in, yeah. that, in that group um well that's why we would go because we were broke yeah. <laughs> right. We're in Boston, but we're kids, you know, we're 18 years old and we've got no money. We got, you know, we can't afford to go, go do whatever. And it's cold and crappy outside. So that was, that was kind of a cool thing to just like in your building, go down and see, you know, the Zeppelin band sure. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. a band for every, like, there was a, like a, a tri- it almost seems like there was a tribute band for every big band. There was a yeah. guy across the hall from me. It was a rush head. You know, he had, it was a drummer and a bass player, their roommates, and they had the exact same drum set and the exact same bass rig that those guys were playing at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I, if I would have stayed, we were, I was talking to a guy about doing a Pink Floyd type oh, cool. thing because yeah, I was yeah. always a big Gilmore head, you know. So, and like, we were like, well, let's, let's just do the wall, yeah, you know, the whole thing. start to finish, <laughs> you know. Could have, could have turned into a bankable career now, man. There's, there's the Australian Pink Floyd experience. Yeah, there's the, Brit Floyd. There's, there's bands the laser that, show thing. There's the now. whole laser show. Anything. Yeah. Um, this is kind of like the Spencer portion of the show. Yeah. So, Mason, <laughs> forgive me. I have one more question for, this is kind of for both of you, but a little bit more for Spencer, and then I want you to play the next song. Um, tell me about like how the British and American sensibility comes to play, like uh, musically and uh, in a human way in your band. Because it's a di- it's a different thing. We speak the same language. Our culture is derivative of the British culture. Mm-hmm. It's where it was born out of at least a lot of it. Maybe less so here in L.A. in the <laughs> modern age. But like, does this come? In, you know, British people are more understated. Their music informs American music so much. You know, all those the greatest rock and roll bands, almost all of them, Beatles, uh, Who. Stones, sure. Floyd, uh, yeah, Zeppelin. Zeppelin. The list yeah. goes on. And, you like know, Sabbath. Old, go yeah. On, on, on. So, how does this work? You know, in a personal way and in a musical way. And this is for both of you. Um. Well, I've been talking for a while, so why don't no, you well, start I think this like on stage, for instance, Spencer is always the the kind of straight man in our um, okay. our little banter portion, yeah. um, because we kind of probably emphasize our cultural differences but off stage i mean we're both teenagers and spencer's lived in la for some pretty formative years in the kid's life so i don't think it has that much of an effect and i think spencer's into a lot of american music i'm into a lot of british music it just they've both been influenced by each other Okay. Yeah. Plus, like, my mum's American. I've been coming to the okay. states for since I was born. So okay. it's not like I've been like, oh my god, America. What is this place? But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really come into play so much. Maybe like not really so much in the writing style. Just maybe not directly, but maybe it's in a way that you don't really feel. It's just sure. kind of how it kind of maybe balances stuff out in a way. I don't know. He's very unfeeling. Yeah. 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 I've noticed feelings. that. Very repressed. That's very, the, that's very the British repressed, thing. Repressed, yeah. But you know the British stuff. I mean, it looms large in my life growing up with all those bands. And I'm a big Monty Python fan. Last summer, I went <laughs> over to England to see them do one of their final shows. Was, oh, oh I mean, gosh. I mean, you know, it's kind of a, 
you know, an old man dog and pony show. But like, I don't care. It's Monty Python. Yeah, like you when know? they're like forgetting their lines and stuff. It does, but that's funny. It doesn't matter. They're Monty Python. They're yeah. Monty Python. Even their yeah. mistakes are funnier than other people's best material. At least yeah. that's the well, way I looked at it. Hopefully, that's the same with us. <laughs> we make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I, so I think too. I think Spencer's come out of his shell as far as the British thing. On stage, we often have some sort of outlandish kind of gimmicky okay. matching outfit. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Like the last show we had, we had white jeans that we splatter painted. And then uh, we found some cheesy 90s uh, ugly jumpers. Oversized sweaters. Sweaters. They're sweaters. The jumpers. And our um, show before that, we were wearing ladies' um, floral bell-bottomed leggings. Okay. With, uh, that, one, that one was a little... With Henleys. That was a little over the top. But I can't picture you doing that, for example, like when you were in ninth or 10th grade. Oh, I probably would have cried yeah. if you were like, let's do this. I'd be like, no, no, right. no, 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 no. But so maybe so, this is the American So side. what you're telling me, so was this, was this your idea, Spencer, to kind of like have a, sh- like a shtick, for lack of a better word, on stage to like have outfits and do kind of outlandish things? It's, it's, a, it's a great idea, honestly. It kind of just It kind of just happened. happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like we played a show last summer yeah, um, like, yeah. where we, we kind of were like, okay, let's go to this like thrift shop and like find some like weird outlandish yeah we of. weren't like that from the start but we yeah. do have very similar offstage fashion sense as you can see <laughs> or like their own yeah <laughs> <laughs> we were, yeah what you trying to say uh, nothing we, no you know like the boots and the socks and the um yeah but henleys that's the thing i'm really glad we've kind of stumbled across this because this is a, something that has a very rich and storied tradition in music is how you know is we're entertainers Sure. We're paid to entertain people, hopefully paid. You know, <laughs> yeah. If you want to be paid, you want people to come see you play. You're giving them something, right? You've got a responsibility to your audience, whether that's, and, and, and you know, and that can, entertainment can be sad. You know, I was going to use Robert Smith as an example, but look at Robert Smith. He's known for the crazy hair and the, and the makeup and the, like the black clothes, yeah. but like having a get up or like country duos. I remember I read, mm-hmm. uh, um, Charlie Leuven's book talking about like when they, the first thing they did when they got enough money to buy like nudie suits, you know what nudie suits are? Yeah. The suits with Elvis. all the rhinestones yeah, and Elvis yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So as soon as they got money, their promoters are the first thing they did. You're going to get matching nudie suits, right? So <laughs> doing this thing, it's a great idea. It's a very intelligent idea to have something that distinguishes you. Look at Elton John. He's British, oh, yeah. you know, and British with oh, the yeah. whole repressed thing. Or, or uh, 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 Peter Gabriel comes to mind. Oh, uh, sure. If you read about Peter Gabriel's background, he had mortifying stage fright. In early Genesis, mm-hmm. back when he was in Genesis, and he then like he would he would be debilitated. He couldn't go out on stage. So somehow somebody along the way figured out if they put him in a crazy outfit, he can then become a character. Sure, or like and David once, Bowie, or David Bowie, yeah, uh, who's a chameleon. Once you become that character, you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. Tabula rasa, man, you can go off and do anything. So so you get, but you change it up. You don't do the yeah, same thing every for time. every show. Always yeah. different. I kind of I miss the days of the uniform. I think it yeah. separates us from the totally. audience because yeah. we definitely look like regular guys. Yeah, sure. Otherwise, kind of blend in. <laughs> yeah, but so. uh, yeah, I mean, like definitely, you know, kind of like you know, with the Beatles, how they kind of started totally. with the matching suits, then kind of right. progressed into like the Sergeant Pepper stuff with the matching like military esque uniform yeah. or whatever. But uh, I think I don't know. It's just something. Yeah, because like you know, you're paying hopefully paying to go see a show you want to see a performance so you want to see i don't know you know because music i feel like half of it is obviously like you know you're listening to it and half of it is also visual yeah, if it's a live performance it's a mm-hmm. live yeah like you want to give the money's worth yeah like you yeah. know like we saw steely dan last week and walter becker was just like he looked like he just he was like in sweatpants he was yeah. in sweatpants and then like it's 
beautiful. But I, I think know. for him, it's kind of maybe it's a little bit different. At least now it is. Oh yeah, like at this point, this is this is a legacy band that they mm-hmm. can do whatever they want. Yeah, yes. you know? but it was, but uh, you know it was still just kind of like. Everyone else was dressed up. Yeah, it was kind of like. <laughs> well, rare is the band. This is like it's like the ninetieth time Pink Floyd's come up. But their whole shtick was they wanted the music to be bigger than what they were. But they mm-hmm. did give the audience a spectacle. Yeah, they that's did. the difference. They, yeah. you know, their whole ethos. You know, David Gilmour would wear a black T-shirt and jeans, and Roger Waters would yeah. wear a gray T-shirt and jeans, and Sid Barrett would wear melted wax on his face or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but they would still. But they they could do that. Because they would always have a light show. Even from the beginning, they would have a light show and lava mm-hmm. lamps. And you know, as soon as lasers were available, they were doing lasers. So they're still giving the audience yeah. something, even though they themselves can become faceless. Yeah. Plus, like they they did the whole like quadraphonic sound right. thing with like the speakers everywhere. So they kind of yeah. Yeah. Rare is the band. You know, that, that was a big thing. I don't know. The '90s uniform was kind of like the grunge flannels. Yeah. You know, but then before that, it was like the metal thing with like dudes with makeup and big poofy hair and leather spandex. pants and everything, spandex yeah. and, and you know weird stuff. We've experimented. Yeah, really well, that's great. So, so what's what, are you at liberty to say what the next show, what the outf- outfit will be? Well, I'm not um, not sure when that'll be. Yeah. So, okay. um, usually our our new approach kind of is to go to Buffalo Exchange. Um, yes. It started out just like let's find something that we both can wear, right? But it then it got a little more flamboyant, yeah. And then then it got pretty crafty. Um, yeah, like, our last show we actually had a hand in creating. Oh, nice the outfits. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll have to discuss. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll sit down and have a formal discussion about. Yeah. So it, bef- well, before this, because you guys, you know, uh, Spencer, you're headed back to Berkeley. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. For school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty soon, relatively getting towards the end of summer here. Yeah. Um. So this is kind of tied with this whole British sensibility thing. I'm glad we stumbled. It's, this is great stuff, man. I love talking about this. But uh, so this leads us to our next song, which is by. The Beatles. Uh-huh. The Beatles. See how we so I set yeah. that up. It's a British band. So perfect, <laughs> the perfect segue for this. So tell me, tell me why this song? Why the Beatles? I mean, obviously they're amazing, but why this song? Why you guys? Why not? We have a bad history with covers. We have a really, really bad. I history mean, with we've never mastered the cover. We have songs that we were like, "This will be really good when we cover it," and for some reason, we just forget them and uh like forget the, beatles, the words play the wrong chords in the wrong place yeah like but that. the beatles we've been listening to you know our whole lives consciously or unconsciously um we actually well we did a we did a different beatles cover at one of our last shows which went very badly which was two of us okay which is a good idea oh my but God. this song <laughs> we liked because we could do it in a different way it worked right, right, acoustically right, okay. even though it's mm-hmm. kind of like a baroque pop song on the record um we on their liked record, you mean. on their record. Right. Yeah. We liked that we could put our own spin on something that everyone's heard. Yeah, like we added like harmonies when there weren't necessarily harmonies, and, and yeah, okay. We, yeah, the Beatles just, are known for their harmony, and so we picked a song that has no harmony. Yeah, okay. to do ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, we yeah we just like this tune a lot. I think. All right, well, I'm looking forward to hearing it. This is the clowns will eat me playing a Beatles song. Which song is it, guys? For no one. All right, for no one on Independence Day. Your day breaks, your mind aches You find that all her words of kindness Linger on when she no longer needs you She wakes up, she makes up She takes her time and doesn't feel She has to hurry, she no longer needs you And in her eyes you see nothing No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years 
You want her, you need her And yet you don't believe her When she says her love is dead You think she needs you And in her eyes you see nothing No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years You stay home, she goes out She says that long ago she knew someone But now he's gone, she doesn't need him Your day breaks your mind aches There will be times when all the things she says will fill your head You won't forget her And in her eyes you see nothing No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years Beatles doesn't get much better than that. The band is The Clowns Will Eat Me. They're a duo. They're based here in the west side of Los Angeles. This is Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you for My pleasure. Thank Gentlemen, you. Gentlemen, I like to say. And uh, so you guys are a unique situation because being in the age that you are right now, uh, Mason, you're about to start college, and you've got some up. You've got some news about this, which you just told me. But when you walked in the door before, because when you were here in the springtime, you like you and you like had accepted going to school, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm going to Portland, and I'm going to study something else, and not me meow, me meow. meow. Uh, Spencer, you've decided to study music, like by full on. You're going to Berkeley College of Music yeah. in, in Boston, which is a commitment to go out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, f- let's see. First of all, tell me. You know how you guys work this? Is this just kind of like a summer project, or like on breaks? Is this something that's going to keep going after school? Are you going to play it by ear? Who knows? And um, then when we're done with that, Mason, tell me what you your changes in your sure. uh, decision making process. It's become um, it's become a little harder. I would say we have to admit yeah. um, because what's happened now, for example, um, the song "Under Duress" that we played earlier, we wrote that in August, right before Spencer went back to school. Then in December over winter break, we recorded it. And then like a few weeks ago or a month ago, we finally mixed and mastered it. Okay. Um, the song that is the web exclusive, um, we wrote over this winter break and recorded it. Now it's summer break. So it's a little more stilted. We haven't been able to write as much. Um, we haven't written anything yet this summer, which hopefully will change. We have some yeah. ideas. Um, but I personally am, am pretty determined to keep it going because it's, okay. it's just so much different than what I do myself. Yeah, yeah, Spencer. Yeah, like I think I think um, it's nice to have a kind of change of scenery, definitely like musically. So if you keep, I don't know, for me, like it's it's kind of nice to kind of break the momentum that you usually get when you're on your own, kind of working. Uh, plus, then you can. You know, with with yourself, a you can kind of bounce ideas off someone else. You don't have to kind of be so self-critical and just kind of repress everything you ever do. Um, not speaking from experience <laughs> at, at all, but um, you know, I'd like to definitely keep it going. I think. I mean, okay. yeah, it is a little bit more sporadic, kind of how we have uh, been yeah. writing and releasing and stuff. But I think, you know, stuff happens. I guess. Yeah. So, like, well, the reason I ask is that this period in any human's life, whether it's a musician or not, is just fraught with change, 
right? Mm-hmm. You're going away to college is about the, the biggest change you go through like in your natural progression of your life, or at least it's the first one, right? Because sure. up until that point, you've been generally, even if, I guess maybe if you've moved around, it's a little different because you've been in different places, but you're still going to school, you know, in, a, in either one place or a handful of places. You're kind of around people like you who grew up in an area like you, even in a multicultural mm-hmm. city like Los Angeles, we're all still having the Los Angeles experience. We all have the Mexican food. We all have the Santa Ana winds. We all have the surfing yeah. in the mountains and we all have these things, right? Yeah. So when you go to college, that's the first time for a lot of people that they're away from people that are unlike them. And mm-hmm. I think that's an essential development in their life. And even if it's just as simple as going to college across town, you know, there's that old joke, like I went to college as far enough away so that my parents didn't see my name in the police blotter on Sunday morning, <laughs> right? Cause if you're only, if you're three towns over, that's just far enough. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you go to college in your hometown, it's a whole different experience. So, uh, and, and everybody's path is different. Everyone should go about this in a different way. But, I mean, I wanted to see how you guys perceive that. Because, I mean, my when I went away to college, I went away to Berkeley and came back. And it was like, it was. I was very proud because my band members were like, whoa, you're a lot better. Yeah, You're a lot better. You were good before, but you're a lot better now. Because doing it full time like that is a very different thing. So there was that change. Again, I'm proud. They told me. Um, but the, the other thing was, I mean, that, you know, we played that first summer after the first year of college when we all went away. We all got to back together. We played a bunch of gigs around town. But then at the end of that summer, that was that. Like nobody wanted to do it anymore. Like we had, our paths had diverged enough. Now, granted, there were more of us. There were four or five of us, right? It was a different thing. Sure. But like with a duo, I guess that would be a little bit easier to do. So, I mean, but you're also in a different world technologically where theoretically it wouldn't be the in- immediacy mm-hmm. of playing in the same town, but you could theoretically send each other material back and forth on the internet That's on your true. phone. Yeah. You could record a demo on your phone in your dorm room and send it to him and he has it 30 seconds later. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we have talked about doing stuff like I think that. nothing is like the immediacy of being in person. Yeah. yeah. Hearing how it sounds together. I I don't think anything can truly replace that. Um but I think it's if we can get something done in person, you know. Yeah. That's my favorite way to do it. Yeah. It's the best. Solution. So, yeah. which leads me to my next question, because we've mm. got to get to the last song. We're almost out of time here. Is you know what are are there goals for this project? Is there a specific thing so that you say okay? Because now you're about to separate for a while. Well, Macy, I never did. I'm sorry. Let's back oh, up. Yeah. Tell me what <laughs> yeah. uh, I forgot. I asked you about that. Tell me what you're. You've made some different decisions over yeah, the course of the summer. I was pretty actively against the idea of studying music or songwriting in college. Um, And so I only applied to one school, which is a liberal arts school. And I genuinely am interested in some other subjects than music. But ultimately, I've known for almost my whole life that music is what I want to do in life. And I also came to the conclusion that I really could learn something regardless of what I've accomplished on my own. You can always get better. You have the resources of a school. You have the network and the connections. So I'm looking at songwriting programs now at schools. I'm sure Spencer was a subconscious inspiration in that <laughs> regard. Nothing really has changed except for my mindset about it. You can study that at Berkeley, you know. I do know, uh, but we've been talking about the Boston weather. <laughs> is that, is and that the um, elephant in the room? <laughs> yeah. Um, a little bit. You know, it's a possibility. Yeah. Never yeah. say never. Yeah, you're a total West Coast boy, man. You being I from am. England, you know what? inclement weather is all about spencer yeah but i guess i never really understood how cold it could oh, yeah. get in a place i think i think this past winter was probably i think the most snow they got yeah oh that's right ever. you were through that whole nightmare yeah. weren't you there's still a pile of snow 
Have you seen that? There was just a story on the news last week. There's still when, snow. When Boston all got all that big, that, all that snow over and over and over all winter mm-hmm. long. They were piling it up somewhere. I, don't, I have no idea where. Um, but someone did a news story just last week. There's a giant pile of snow. It still hasn't all melted. It's melted. A lot wow. of it's melted. But sure. there's so much snow I that some of that. it is still there. I didn't you know, halfway know through summer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm from Chicago, yeah. man. You don't have to tell me about it. I know all about crappy weather. And I know yeah. Boston weather is really no different. It was yeah. about the same as Chicago. Just about as cold yeah. and annoying. I hate cold weather. I hate that cold weather, though. Yeah. Like, when it's, like, that cold, it's bad. Yeah. But, like, you know, you know, it's nice when it's 50 yeah. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Well, that's, that's that time. It's so funny. If you're from a really cold climate, when all of a sudden 40, when 40 feels warm, yeah. <laughs> your climate is too cold because it's, it's been below freezing yeah. for a month and it gets up to 40 and people are like sunbathing and yeah, like, taking, I re- wearing I rem- bikinis I remember like the first day like I think it was like in like March or something it finally got to like above 30 degrees and we were oh, like oh yeah. my god finally we can yeah. wear like you know hoodies and stuff yeah. and like you know not yeah. 50 layers and st- yeah and just it's try crazy. keeping a car running in that one you know you probably you're in school probably don't have a car but man getting no. a car through a winter oh, in a city god, yeah. is, is like a whole like religious process Anyway, let's back. Let's get things back to music stuff here. So I asked you this before, Mason. We got mm-hmm. your let me let me keep me posted. Like where you wind up going, I'm kind of curious. Just for my own, you know, consider you an acquaintance of mine. For sure. Kind of curious to see what you figure out, where you go, what program. Um, you said you were looking at which schools. I'm sorry. I'm looking at Belmont over in, in Nashville. Nashville, and also uh, right here in Los Angeles, California. I'm looking at USC Thornton School okay. of Music. A uh, couple Wildwood kids have gone there. That was my high school. Okay. Very nice. So then, okay, so let's get back to that original question before we got sidetracked a little bit there. Like, given, you know, you've got, you you can work with these things technologically, but you guys are going to be, you know, until someone makes a different decision, you know, I guess Nashville's a couple thousand miles closer, but it's still a thousand miles from Boston, probably a little more. Yeah. Um, You're going to be in different places. I mean, if you're going to keep this project going, I mean, obviously you've both resigned yourselves to having it be something that's just kind of out there. You know, you work when you're together, you don't work when you're not, but like, how do you two approach that? You know, other goals at some point well, to do something? something that has been helpful for me about this project is that on one hand, I am very intent on keeping the momentum going creatively, um, but commercially, it's a lot less low pressure than what I do on my own. For example, my albums are available um, on iTunes, for example. We've never really felt that need. Yeah. Um I'd say we're much more perfectionists on our own, whereas our EP has a live feel because we recorded it live. It's meant to be fun. We never want to lose the excitement of it and the um, kind of the informality, the the casual atmosphere. Right, right. Yeah. And yet, we don't want to just sit in our rooms writing songs. We like to record and we like to play live. Yeah, and I kind of experiment with different sounds and tones and things like that. Um, okay. Yeah, but I mean, I I kind of hate for like regardless of the the uh, the project or not. I you know, for, if music ever got to the point where it was just serious, like I couldn't find any joy in it anymore, then that would be something I would I would hate for that to happen. Yeah. Just because I don't know, I feel like music has been one of those things that's always been around and something that I could always enjoy. And I think you know, I don't want to mess up my joy. Yeah, my joy zone. Oh, yeah, I think it's um, <laughs> you sound very California right now, <laughs> dude. My joy is on. I think it's a question of the creative ambition versus yeah. the commercial ambition because yeah. certainly the harmonies we've created, some of the subject matter, and um, 
and some of the music has has pushed me further than what I've done on my own. Um, and so in that sense, yes, it is um, not work, but it is a challenge. Right. Um, but it's a fun challenge. Yeah. It's okay for it to be work. Yeah. I mean, people yes. work at it. I mean, work is... You know, people outside of music think music is all fun and games, and we play songs, and we get all messed up on drugs and alcohol, and we have a bunch of girls or guys, depending on what your preference is, <laughs> hanging around, and it's like it's all limousines and cocaine and high-rise hotels. But a lot yeah. of it's work, and a, a lot, lot of it's work. lonely, and a lot of it's riding around in vans. Mm-hmm, you know, a right. lot of it's sitting in hotels, sitting in by yourself. I mean, I've been there. You know, in, in Australia or Japan, can't even speak the language, <laughs> can't even understand what the hell they're saying on the TV, yeah. or uh, you know, riding around in buses mm-hmm. or, or vans, you know, uh, for hours and hours and hours. I mean, a lot of it's, it's a lot of solitary time. So the work aspect of it is, is a big part of it, you know. And I'm happy to see these guys. It seems like what you're trying to do with this band is making the work part of it fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's it. It's yeah. a good way to put it. Okay, cool. So I'll play the last song here, and then I'm going to ask you. I'm going to call my new favorite question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so what's this last song going to be? This song is called Unraveled Traveler. Um, It's the second song we wrote as the clowns will eat me. And um, our writing process isn't so much this now, but we used to just stay up really late, finish a complete song, and then record a complete demo of it, just stay up all night night. doing that, which we were pretty tired, so it took a while, but it's a certain cool zone. And um, I I would say, I don't know about what you were thinking about when we were writing it, but um, at that time, my, uh, my then girlfriend had just gone off to college, and we wrote a song about traveling and being away from the, the one you love. Um, but Not I did have to bon fight. on it. What? Getting all Bon Jovi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I did have to fight for this title, Unraveled Traveler. I thought it was yeah, catchy. I didn't like it at first, but now I like it. I think, I think this is maybe the, my favorite one we've written. So all right. Far. Here we go. One last time. The clowns will eat me with their song Unraveled Traveler on Independence Day. One, two, three, four, five, six. I won't look to replace everything fake these days. Symmetrical shapes Give me a break I knew I could fix it If I tore up my ticket I just saw your smile On the face of a stranger Beyond baggage claim, carry on pain.
flight I'll come in at night I'll kiss you this time My name is Joe Armstrong. That's The Clowns Will Eat Me on Independence Day. Thank you for stopping by the website, indepthday.com. Also iTunes, which is indepthday.com slash iTunes. There is some kind of cockamamie uh, URL that I that Apple gave me, but it's gibberish and it's impossible. So we created one that yeah. points you right there. Technology, the miracle of technology. So another great song, gentlemen. Good Thanks. work. Thank good you Good work, much. good work. And, you know, we're just about to wrap this up. You know, best of luck to both of you and your college decisions, wherever you're going off to do. I hope you do can keep playing together in some capacity. Thank you. Thank um, you because you guys are good together. It sounds good. The harmonies are good. And I love the Jayhawks thing where you guys are switching vocals in the middle of stuff. That's cool because it, I don't know, it just feels, it feels very, uh, you, you feel like the, the companionship and the friendliness about it. I've never it's actually heard thing. the Jayhawks, so I'll have to check to. them out, I guess. Thank you. <laughs> a pox upon you, Mason Summit. You like good songwriting. You haven't heard the Jayhawks? I mean, that's your homework, young man. Okay. Gotta we'll do. The Jayhawks. We'll talk about this afterwards. <laughs> but this is my new favorite question. I'm going to ask this for each of you. Uh, what makes you happy? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> um, you want to take that, Spencer? Um, you know, I think you should go ahead and go first. Uh, All right. Well, um, first and foremost, obviously, music. Really, um, career-wise, I really don't see myself being happy doing anything but making music and making enough money making music to live. I like every aspect of it. I spend probably more time listening to music and looking at guitars online than I do playing music, so that might be my favorite part of it. I like recording. I like performing a lot. I like writing. Um... Other things that make me happy include the French dip sandwich at Philippe's and uh, pursuing relations with the opposite sex. The, the smarter sex. The smarter, the smarter sex. sex. I'll go on the record and say, I've said it a million times, women are smarter than men. Yeah, they definitely are. In my experience. And it's even if they're not, it's a good idea to tell them that they are. <laughs> Spencer, how about you? Which, what makes you happy? Um, that is a very good question. Um, what makes me happy? Uh, definitely music, for sure. I yeah, like I wouldn't be able to see myself doing anything else besides that. Uh, definitely being able to make enough money to like generate a living off of off of that. Um, yeah, like Mason, I also spend probably more time listening to music and browsing guitars online. Uh, Reverb dot com is a pretty pretty common place. Yeah. Um, it's a great website though. Anyway, but. Um, other things that make me happy, I think. Uh, photography is pretty. I like doing that sometimes. I haven't done it in a while, but it was pretty nice to do. Uh, you know, if you um, combine them all together, taking pictures of and playing music for the fairer sex would just kind of hit the it's like the trifecta, right? That is a pretty. That's a that's a good one. That makes me happy. I like while that eating. One. Yeah. All right, while eating, yeah. Food makes me happy too. Netflix also makes me happy. Um, <laughs> having enough sleep, that also makes me happy. Yeah. Well, you're in college, man. I got all kinds of sleep in college. I used to think <laughs> I was staying up late, but man, once you get out and you're not in college anymore, it's, yeah. it's all different. I'm sure, I'm sure people tell you this all the time. It's a whole different ball of wax. Yeah. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming out. Taking thank time you for out having your busy us. Schedules. So I mean, much, I wish yeah. you the best of luck. I hope you guys keep playing together like we said. 
Spencer, it's great to meet you, Mason. It's great to like see you again. Likewise. Get to know you a little nice bit better. You, and yeah. keep me abreast of what you guys are up to. Send me music. I love hearing stuff. I love hearing what you guys' projects are into. Love hearing what people are up to. And let me know what's going on at Berkeley. Yeah, Man, send course. me a couple pictures. I'll give you my phone. I just want to see. <laughs> I haven't been back since I graduated. Sure. I've been through Boston, but I haven't. I was on tour, but I didn't get time to stop at Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just send me a couple of random pictures. Yeah, send me the yeah. old crappy cafeteria. They they shut that down. That's not yeah. There oh, it's not even there. Okay. It's not even there. Well, send yeah. me. Do they still sell the uh, I'm the fastest guitar player at Berkeley pin? In the bookstore, I don't think so. I don't think I do that anymore. Yeah, they used to. Anyways, I think it was kind of a joke, but kind of for some guys, yeah, not so much of a joke. No. Anyway, and you guys can, uh, everybody can learn about them. SoundCloud.com/slash The Clowns Will Eat Me with hyphens between all all of them, all each each word, and also <laughs> Facebook.com/slash Clowns Will Eat Me Music. So thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate thank it you. so much. Thank you so much. So thank you to Mason Summit and Spencer Shapiro from The Clowns Will Eat Me. Also to the Independence Day staff: Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally. Shackleton, the Honorable Tony Tone Loke Piscotti, the Honorable Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Be sure to check them out for Independence Day. I am Joe Armstrong. As always, if you do anything, please be good to one another. <laughs>